Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. I'm Michelle Martin. This is Market View. Joining me this morning with all the market action. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Good morning, Michelle. How are you feeling? Pretty good. One day closer to the weekend, so just around the corner. All right, we can all make it. Let's start this morning in the US, where autumn leaves will be changing colors soon. It'll be my favorite season. And September markets have a decidedly bearish feel. The Nasdaq dropped 1% overnight. That's its Third straight decline, the Dow and the S&P 500 giving background as well. While there is no single cause, September historically not a great month for markets, but there appears to be three main issues that investors are looking at, bond yields, oil prices, and the strength of the U.S. dollar. Okay, we're going to take each of these in turn. The yields on U.S. Treasury notes are rising. The two-year note is now paying more than 5%. The yield on the 10-year note is 4.3%. Now, not long ago, Ryan, it seemed that the market consensus was that the Fed interest rate cycle was likely at its peak. So what is driving higher yields in the bond markets? Yeah, you've got... Good news for the economy being bad news for markets right now. And that's playing out with the way bonds are moving. So bonds have been going up with expectations that we might see the Fed staying where they are in terms of rates or even hiking one more time this year. So if you look at some of the latest data coming through overnight, this came through with the ISM barometer of US business conditions. So that PMI number rose to 54.5 in August from 52.7 the prior month. And that is a six-month high. So it is higher than expected, which kind of gives the support for a narrative that the economy is doing better than expected, which could lead to inflationary pressures. And people are starting to get worried again that maybe the Fed hasn't um, finished its work with the interest rate policy hikes yet. And you also have the latest Beige book pointing to how economic growth is modest in July and in August, consumer spending stronger than expected. So a bit of pickup there when it comes to the consumer strength as well. So that is also feeding into expectations that the Fed might need to do more. And in turn, again, the bond rates have been going up. We uh, cast our mind back to about two weeks ago, it hit a 16-year high, above 4.3%. And it looks like after retracing back down, we are going back up again. That certainly looks like business activity, new orders, employment, all seem to be quite robust in the U.S. right now. In fact, a survey on non-manufacturing data has come out stronger than expected. So it does indeed seem that we're back to good news for the economy being bad news for the markets. We're seeing growth stocks in particular being hit by higher yields. Uh, what about the rest of the market? Is this bad news for equities all year, all round, I should say? Now, it does look like another reason for people to take profit off the table. If you just look at the S&P 500, it's been on a bit of a good run. In the year to date, it's been up 18%. And now you have it going through a bit of a slump. Overnight, it was down 0.7%. And this, again, with higher rates not being a good friend for stocks. And of course, technology stocks typically suffer the most. And we did see that happening for the Nasdaq Composite down 1.1%. It's now on a three-day losing streak for the Nasdaq. It had its worst daily performance in two weeks. So that pressure on technology stocks is spilling over into the wider markets. And without, 
I guess the earnings season, to give any commentary as well, you have a bit of a vacuum when it comes to any catalysts for markets. So any reason to get nervous is starting to get people thinking twice about staying in the markets. And generally speaking, higher yields are bad for stocks. They can lead investors to switch out of equities, bad particularly for growth stocks. And we saw this on the market overnight. Shares of Apple and NVIDIA both fell more than 3%, for example. Let's turn to the oil markets. We talked a little bit about this yesterday, the production cuts by Saudi Arabia and Russia driving oil prices higher. West Texas crude trading above $87 a barrel. The price of a barrel of Brent crude approaching 91 US dollars. Some analysts say it could hit 100 US dollars a barrel. Ryan, investors who want to bank on this trend, um, if they do, what are some of the companies they could be looking at? Yeah, oil has been also doing pretty well. In the past week, it's up nearly 5%. So you have to figure out who are the winners or beneficiaries with high oil prices. And it wouldn't be a surprise to look at the guys producing the oil to sell the oil. And these include the names like Marathon Oil. So based on a list from CNBC, Marathon Oil has the highest current correlation coefficient of any of the names on the list at 0.71. And this followed by Diamond Energy or Diamondback Energy, Devon Energy and APA. So a long list of names, some familiar ones like ConocoPhillips, Ovinitiv, EOG, Targa, Halliburton and Hess Corporation are on the top 10 positively correlated stocks to oil prices. Interesting top 10 there. Unsurprisingly, energy companies stand to benefit the most. In fact, CNBC studied which stocks tend to perform best when oil prices rise. And as you heard, Marathon Oil, top of that list, Diamondback Energy and Devon Energy as well. At the top of the show, I mentioned three trends, bond yields, oil prices and the US dollar. So let's turn to the greenback. It is strengthening against most major currencies. In fact, it's even led China and Japan to intervene in the currency markets, though not to much effect so far anyway. The US dollar is trading close to 148 yen. It gained nearly 13% vis-a-vis the yen at the start of the year. The strength of the greenback is really ringing those alarm bells in many markets. In fact, Market Watch published an article I read that asks, should stock market investors worry? What do you think? Yeah, it does give some concern to investors to see so much volatility in the currency markets. And in terms of levels, it's worth noting the dollar versus yen has breached past 147. And if you cast your mind back to last year, 147 was when the Japanese authorities decided to intervene in the markets. So now a lot of questions about whether they might do the same and support the Japanese yen because too weak a yen, even though it might make exports more competitive and attractive, you also have to import inflation into your country by making the goods and you'd pay for these goods with your currency and it will cost more. So it hurts companies to some extent. So that is something they are quite mindful of. And also they have to be mindful that if you try to support your currency with your own monetary policies, it can also hurt your economic um, projections or economic growth projections. So it's a bit of a balancing act. So a very fast rising US dollar is going to be quite hard for other markets to adjust to. 
It is going to be difficult. The strong US dollar could be a pull on corporate profits, particularly for US companies that have significant revenue streams outside of the US. But the strong greenback could help keep inflation in check as imports become cheaper. And that potentially could be good news for markets. Silver lining. Time now for corporate news. We do it up or down style. Ah, we haven't talked about this in a while, have we? AMC Entertainment. Yeah, AMC actually has been in the news because they're trying to show that Taylor Swift concert. Mm. Uh, so they are back in the news again for not a great reason. They want to sell more <laughs> shares. And just three, three weeks um, ago, they had caught approvals to do so. Okay. So for shareholders... It's not a great thing because it will dilute the value of the current shares. So they are looking to sell up to 40 million shares to raise, I believe, $3.4 billion. And of course, AMC going through a lot of pressure. And this, I suppose, will go some ways to rejigging or realigning the company for future growth. Yeah, let's look at early reaction to that fundraise. So AMC shares took a tumble overnight, falling more than 35% on news it will issue new shares. It's been a favorite of retail investors uh, for much of its recent existence, right? But several big investment banks are working with AMC on this deal. Investors, though, are concerned that the fundraising exercise will dilute their investments. And for that, I will give AMC a down this morning. Let's look at the streaming company, Roku. All right, Roku is going to be a down for me because they are in the news for cutting stuff. So 10% of their stuff, that's I believe about 300 plus people are going to be let go. And yet again, it has to cut stuff and cut costs. So quite a bad year for Roku as it tries to adjust to, I suppose, a new normal for it after enjoying a bit of a bounce in the past few years. People are just not spending so much time on streaming these days. Yeah, Roku is losing money, but not as much as expected. Yeah, it's laying off 10% of its workforce to cut costs, and that is definitely not a good look. But investors don't seem to mind, though. Uh, Roku is up 6% over the past week, and its share price has more than doubled since the beginning of the year. So are you giving an up or down? I probably give it a down. Doesn't look like it's near the bottom yet. All righty. I'm going to give it an up based on what I see. Let's look at Del Monte. All right. Del Monte is, I believe, the guys behind the bananas. <laughs> yeah. So they've got lots of foods in their production. So typically, with all the inflationary pressures we've been seeing, it leads to a lot of cost pressures, expenses. So they are going to be a down for me. They are losing money still. And this is at a sum of $13.1 million. I guess the good news is the losses are not as much as before. It has narrowed the losses. Yeah. So Del Monte lost $13 million US dollars uh, during the first quarter of its financial year. The company's bottom line is being hit by inflation and interest rates. It has a fair amount of debt, but it is working to pay it off. Del Monte shares, which traded here in Singapore, are down more than 50% since the beginning of the year. How's investor confidence in Thailand looking? All right, let's take a look. And you might um, know that Thailand's going through a bit of a reshuffle or at least a renewal when it comes to politics. So that's seemingly doing quite well for market confidence because they are quite optimistic that with the formation of a new government, there's going to be new spending measures perhaps, you know, more stimulus measures to come forth to keep up the campaign promises as well. So that spending has to go somewhere and it's lifting 
the mood for businesses to some extent. So the stock market is pricing that in. And you have investor confidence based on a survey by the Federation of Thai Capital Market Organizations that has hit a seven-month high. And this with the Investor Confidence Index jumping nearly 69% to a reading of 141.27. Look at that. I'll give Thailand an up on the back of those uh, survey figures as well on investor confidence in Thailand, appearing to have hit a seven-month high. And don't forget Thailand's king sworn a new government earlier this week, and that following months of political wrangling and uncertainty, and that should add to... Uh, some quelling of uh, investor worries, I think. For our last word today, we're reopening the Elon Musk files because some new information has come to light regarding how Musk financed his purchase of Twitter. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that one of Musk's companies, SpaceX, loaned Musk one billion US dollars around the same time that he was purchasing Twitter, now known as X. Um, how would you like to tap on a billion dollar loan, Ryan? Yeah, it helps to own so many companies you can borrow money from. So no details on why he had to borrow so much money. You're already so rich, but I suppose a lot of it's tied into stock. Uh, it's worth noting as well, he did pay back everything he owed plus interest. Mm. So no funny business there, I suppose. Maybe he just needed the money to decorate his... <laughs> I guess backdrop when he was having a meeting or something, you know, stack it behind you. But he did pay it back in November after a month. So maybe that's the reason why he borrowed that money. Maybe. I wonder how much interest he paid. No word on that. On a billion dollars, interest (laughs) must be in the millions. Oh my gosh. The timing of the loan is raising eyebrows. It's unclear whether Musk actually used the funds to help finance his purchase of the social media platform or not. But yeah, it does make sense, I guess, if you have all those companies. But you'd also have to factor in the interest, right? That you're paying on that, I he suppose. He can afford it, I guess. You know, maybe he had a pool of um, cash to swim in when he's bought. I guess so. <laughs> that must be it. And on that happy note of swimming in a pool of cash, we're going to leave you here today. This has been Market View. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.